Hey guys, it's Marky here. I just wanted to come in before this episode started and let you know that there is some gun violence in this set of chapters. It's going to be in chapter 22, timestamp 5 minutes 40 seconds and 6 minutes 2 seconds. Just in case you're triggered by gunshots or you just don't like the way they sound. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that. So, uh, stay safe and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks. Chapter 21. I landed a bit hard and had to run really fast to keep from doing a total faceplant. I was somewhere in Arizona, treading through scrubby brush behind a deserted warehouse. I pulled my wings in, feeling them bolt hot from exercise into a tight accordion on either side of my spine. I tied my windbreaker around my neck. There. Perfectly normal looking. I saw that there were three guys, maybe 15, 16 years old. The girl looked younger, maybe 12 or so. I told you not to tell anybody about my little situation with Ortiz, one boy is yelling at her. It was none of your business. I had to teach him a lesson. The girl bit her lip, looking angry and scared. By beating him up? He looks like he got hit by a car, and he didn't even do anything to you, she said, and I thought, you go, girl. He mouthed off to me. He exists. He breathes my air, said the guy and his jerk friends laughed meanly. God, what creeps. Armed creeps. One of them was holding a shotgun loosely in the crook of his arm. America, the right to bear arms. Yada, yada, yada. How old were these yahoos? Did their parents know they had guns? It gets so tiring, this strong picking on the weak stuff. It was the story of my life, literally. And it seemed to be a big part of the outside world, too. I was sick of it. Sick of guys like these stupid and bullying. I stepped up from beside the building. The girl saw me and her eyes flicked in surprise. It was enough. The guys wheeled to look behind them. Just another stupid girl, they thought, relieved. Their eyes lingered a moment on my scratched face, my black eye, but they didn't keep watching me. Mistake number one. So Ella, what have you got to say for yourself? The lead guy taunted. Is there any reason I shouldn't teach you a lesson too? Three guys against one girl. That seems about even, I said, striding up. It was hard to keep the fury off my face. My blood was singing with it. Shut up, chick, one of the boys snapped. You better get out of here if you know it's good for you. Can't, I said, walking to stand next to the girl named Ella. She looked at me in alarm. Actually, I think kicking your stupid butts would be good for me. They laughed. Mistake number two. Like the rest of the flock, I'm much stronger than even a grown man. Genetic engineering at work? And all of us had been trained in self-defense by Jeb. I had skills. Until yesterday, I'd never had to use them. If I could just get Ella out of here. Grab Big Mouth, said the head guy, and the other two moved to flank me. Which made mistake number three. Bam, you're out. I moved fast, fast, fast. With no warning, I snapped a high kick right into the lead jerk's chest. A blow that would have only knocked Fang's breath away actually seemed to snap a rib on this guy. I heard the crack, and the guy choked, looking shocked, and fell backward. 
The remaining guys rushed me at once. I whirled and grabbed the shotgun out of one's hands. Holding its barrel, I swung it in a wide arc against the side of his head. Crack! Stunned, he staggered sideways as a bright red flow of blood streamed from his scalp. I glanced over and saw Ella still standing there, looking afraid. I hoped not of me. Run! I yelled at her. Get out of here! After a moment of hesitation, she turned and ran, leaving a little cloud of red dust behind her. The third grabbed my arm, and I yanked it loose, then swung and punched him, aiming for his chin, but hitting his nose. I winced, oops, feeling his nose break, and there was a slow-motion pause of about a second before it started gushing blood. Jeezum. Humans were like eggshells. The bully boys were a mess, but they still staggered to their feet, rage and humiliation twisting their ugly faces. One of them picked up his gun and cocked it, fearing his right arm. You're gonna be so sorry, he promised, spitting blood out of his mouth and starting towards me. Bet I won't, I said. Then I turned tail and raced for the woods as fast as I could. Chapter 22 Of course, if I could have taken off, I'd have been a little speck in the sky by then. But I couldn't let those yo-yos see my wings, and within seconds, I was in the woods anyway. I ran through the underbrush, smacking branches out of my way, glad I was wearing shoes. I had no idea where I was going. Behind me, I could hear a couple of the bozos yelling, swearing, threatening. I wanted to laugh, but I couldn't spare the time. I was steadily increasing the distance between us. Then, I heard a loud BANG from the shotgun, and the tree bark exploded around my head. That stupid gun! Are you thinking what I think you're thinking? Are you wondering if I noticed the similarities between this asinine situation and my dream? Well, yeah, I'm not an idiot. As to what it all meant, well, I'll work on that later. In the next second, there was another bang, and almost simultaneously, a sudden searing pain in my left shoulder. I gasped and glanced over to see blood blossoming on my sleeve. That idiot had actually hit me. Then, sheer bad luck made me instantly trip over a trude, fall on my hurt shoulder, and slide crazily down a steep slope through bushes, underbrush, vines, and rocks. I tried to grab anything, but my left arm couldn't move well, and my right hand scrambled uselessly. Finally, I tumbled to a stop at the bottom of an overgrown ravine. Looking up, I saw only green. I was covered by vines and shrubs. I lay very still, trying to catch my breath trying to think. Far above me, I heard the wild boys yelling and shooting again. They sounded like elephants crashing through the woods, and I tracked them clearly as they ran right past where I fell. I felt like an ogre had just beaten me all over with a club. I could barely move my left arm, and it hurt like fire. I tried to stretch out my wing, only to suck my breath in hard as I found out it had been hit too. I couldn't see it well over my shoulder, but my big clue was the screaming pain. I was scraped all over, and lost my windbreaker, and, if I wasn't mistaken, I was sitting in a patch of poison ivy. Slowly, I stood up, smothering gasp of pain. I had to get out of here. I checked the sun and started working my way north. I swallowed a groan as I realized that Nudge and Fang were no doubt wondering where the heck I was. I had messed up big time. Angel was waiting for me, too, if she was still alive. I had let them all down. On top of it, I was hurt pretty bad and had gun-toting maniacs after me. Crap. I scowled. It's in my nature to fight for the underdog. Jeb had always told me it was my fatal flaw. 
Jeb had been right. Chapter 23 Fang, I'm really hungry, you know? It had been almost an hour since Max had left them. Nudge still didn't understand exactly what had happened. Where Max had gone. Fang nodded curtly, then motioned with his head. Nudge banked slightly and followed him. They were coming up on some cliffs, flat on top and made of styrated rock. Fang headed toward a shadowy indentation, and Nudge started backpedaling to slow down for a landing. This close, the indentation turned into a broad, shallow cave, and Nudge ducked a bit as she sat down inside. Fang landed almost silently beside her. The cave went maybe fifteen feet in and was about twenty feet wide, tapering at both ends. The floor was sandy and dry, and Nudge sat down thankfully. Fang took off his backpack and started handing her food. Oh, yes, yes, Nudge said, ripping open a bag of dried fruit. Fang waved a chocolate bar in front of her, and she squealed happily. Oh, Fang, where did you find this? You must have been hiding it. You didn't say anything, and all this time you've had chocolate? Oh, God, it's so good. Fang gave her a little smile and sat down. He bit into his chocolate and closed his dark eyes for a few moments, chewing slowly. So, where's Max? Nudge asked a few minutes later. Why'd she go down there? Shouldn't she be back by now? Aren't we supposed to go all the way to Lake Mead? What are we going to do if she doesn't come back soon? She stopped when Fang held up his hand. Max saw someone in trouble down below and went to help, he said in his quiet, deliberate voice. We'll wait for her here. Lake Mead is right below us. Nudge worried. Every second counted. So why were they stuck here? What was Max doing that was more important than Angel? She finished her last dried apricot and looked around. Okay, now that Fang mentioned it, she could see the blue edge of Lake Mead off to her left. Nudge stood up. Her head barely touched the ceiling. Their cave had a fairly wide ledge on either side of it, and she walked out onto the left ledge to see the lake better. She froze. Uh, Fang? Chapter 24 Fang came out next to Nudge, then stood perfectly still. The ledge curved upward toward the top of the cliff. Thin, scrubby plants dotted the area, and boulders stuck out of hard, packed clay and rock. In and among the rocks and plants were large nests, each about two feet across. Most of the nests had large, fuzzy fledglings in them, and most of the fledglings had large, rust-colored parents, and most of the parents were staring intently at Nudge and Fang with cold, predator's eyes. What are they? Nudge whispered out of the side of her mouth. Ferruginous hawks, Fang said softly. Largest raptor in the United States. Sit down very slowly. No sudden movements or we're birth bird feed. Okay, Nudge thought, gradually sinking to her knees. She wanted to turn around and run, but guessed if she did, she might be attacked. The few talons she could see looked lethal, not to mention the severe beaks, sharply curved and mean-looking. Do you think? She began softly, but Fang motioned for her to be quiet. Very quiet. He lowered himself next to her, his eyes on the birds. One of the hawks had a partially dismembered gopher in its mouth. Its fledglings were squawking loudly for it. After several minutes, Nudge felt like she needed to scream. She hated sitting still, had a million things to ask, didn't know how much longer she could take this in action. A small movement caught her eye. Fang was very slowly extending one of his wings. Every hawk had swiveled in unison, their eyes focusing on the wing like lasers. 
I'm letting them catch my scent. Fang's lips barely moved. What felt like a year later, the hawks seemed to relax a bit. They were huge, with almost a five-foot wingspan, and looked cold and powerful. On top, their wing feathers were mostly brown with russet streaks, and they were streaked with white below. Not unlike Nudge's own wings, except hers were so much bigger. Twice as big. Some hawks went back to feeding their noisy offspring. Others left in search of food. Still, others returned with dinner. Ew. Nudge couldn't help whispering when one hawk brought back a still wriggling snake. The fledglings were excited to see it and practically climbed over one another trying to get the first bite. Double ew. Fang turned his head slowly and grinned at her. Nudge was so surprised that she smiled back. This was pretty cool. She was itchy to leave, wished Max would show up soon, and she wished they had more food. But all the same, it was pretty awesome to sit here in the sun, surrounded by huge, beautiful birds, her own wings stretched out and resting. She guessed it couldn't hurt to do this for a little bit longer. Chapter 25 But not that long. Angel's waiting for us, Nudge said a bit later. I mean, she's like a little sister, like everyone's little sister. She brushed some rock dust off her already dusty tan legs and scowled, picking at a scab on her knee. At night, when we're supposed to be asleep, me and Angel talk and tell jokes and stuff. Her large brown eyes met Fang's. I mean, am I going to have to sleep in that room alone whenever we get home? Max has to come back. She wouldn't let Angel go, right? No, said Fang. She won't let Angel go. Look. You see that big hawk, the one with the dark stripe on its shoulders? You see how he seems to move one wing faster than the other when he banks? It makes his bank really tight and smooth. We should try it. Nudge looked at him. That was probably the longest speech she'd ever heard Fang make. She turned to watch the hawk he'd pointed out. Yeah, I see what you mean. But she'd barely finished before Fang had stood up, run lightly toward the edge of the cliff, and leaped off. His large, powerful, dark wings caught the air and swooped him up. Fang flew closer to where the other hawks were circling in kind of a hawk ballet. Nudge sighed. She really, really wished Max were here. Was Max hurt? Should they go back? She would ask Fang when he returned. Just then, he swept past her, level with their cave. Come on, he yelled. Try it. You'll feel better. Nudge sighed again and brushed some of the chocolate crumbs off her shirt. Wasn't he worried about Angel? If he was, he probably wouldn't show it, she guessed. But she knew Fang loved Angel. He'd read to her before she learned how to read. And even now, he still held her when she was upset about something. Well, I might as well practice too. Better than sitting around doing nothing. She flung herself off the cliff, unable to keep a bittersweet happiness from flooding her chest. It just felt so beautiful. To float in the air, to move her wings strongly and to feel herself glide freely through the space. She flew alongside Fang, and he demonstrated the move for her. She watched him and imitated it. It worked great. She flew in huge circles, practicing the move and flying closer to the hawks, who seemed to be tolerating her. As long as she didn't think about Max or Angel, she would be okay. That evening, Nudge lay on her stomach, her wings flat out around her, and watched the parent hawks grooming their young. They were so gentle, so attentive. These fierce, strong birds were carefully smoothing their fledglings' mottled white feathers, feeding them, helping them get out of the nest to practice flying. A lump came to her throat. 
she sniffled. What? said Fang. These birds, Nudge said, wiping her eyes and feeling stupid. Like, these dumb hawks have more of a mom than I ever had. The parents are taking care of the little ones. No one ever did that for me. Well, besides Max, but she's not a mom. Yeah, I get it. Fang didn't look at her. His voice almost sounded sad. The sun set and the hawks settled down in their nest. Finally, the raucous fledglings quieted. When it had been dark for an hour, Fang edged closer to Nudge and held out his left hand in a fist. Nudge looked up at him, then stacked her left fist on top of his. It was something the flock always did before bedtime. Except they hadn't done it when they'd fallen asleep in that cabin last night. And now it was just the two of them. Nudge tapped his fist with her right hand, and he tapped hers. Night, she whispered, feeling as if everything she had cared about had been ripped away from her. Silently, she crawled up against the wall of the cave. Night, Nudge, whispered Fang. Chapter 26 Oh, man. This was not the best day I'd ever had. My shorter was still bleeding a bit, even though I'd been pressing on it for hours. Every time I jostled it, warm blood oozed through my fingers. I hadn't run into the gun-carrying clowns again, but I'd heard them off and on. I'd been working my way north in a big arc, trying to weave a confusing trail for whoever might be following me. Every time I heard them, I froze for endless minutes, trying to blend in with the brush. Then, cramped and stiffening, I would painstakingly start again. In case they brought dogs, I'd splash through some streams at least four times. And, let me tell you, trying to keep your balance on moss-covered rocks and icy water with a hurt shoulder is no picnic. I'd felt around on my shoulder and wing, and, as far as I could tell, the shot had just scooped out a trail of flesh and wing, but hadn't actually lodged inside. Whatever, my arm and wing felt useless and they hurt awfully. It was getting late. Angel was somewhere hours away, being subjected to God knows what horror, wondering where I was. I pressed my lips together, trying not to cry. I couldn't fly, couldn't catch up to Fang and Nudge, who were probably furious by now. It wasn't like I could call their cell phones or anything. This situation totally sucked, and it was 100% my own stupid fault, which made it suck even worse. Then, of course, it started pouring rain. So now I was slogging my way through wet woods, wet brush, red clay mud, wiping water out of my eyes, getting more chilled and more miserable and more hungry and more insanely furious at myself. I hadn't heard the guys in a long time. They'd probably gone home to get out of the rain. A minute later, I blinked and wiped my eyes. I squinted. There were lights ahead. If it was a store or a shed, I could wait till everyone left, then hole up for the night. Soon, I was only ten yards away, hunching down in the darkness, peering through the wet trees. It was a house. A figure passed by a window, and my eyebrows raised. It was that girl, Ella. This must be her house. I bit my lip. She probably lived here with her two doting parents and her 1.6 siblings. How nice for her. Anyway, I was glad she had gotten home safe. Despite everything, if I had let those horrible guys beat her up, I never would have forgiven myself. I shivered hard, feeling the icy rain run down my back. I was about to fall over. What to do here? Get a plan? I was still waiting for a brilliant inspiration when the side door of the house opened. 
Ellie came out holding a huge umbrella. A shadow moved at her feet. It was a dog. A low-to-the-ground fat dog. Come on, Magnolia, Ella called. Make it fast. You don't want to get too wet. The dog started snipping around the edge of the yard, snuffling the weeds, oblivious to the rain. Ella turned and walked up and down, twirling her umbrella, scanning her yard. Her back was to me. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I don't know who first said that, but they were right on the money. I took a deep breath, then very, very quietly began to move towards Ella. Chapter 27 Okay, two more blood temples, and the glucose assay will be done. Then we can do the EEGs. Why isn't this over? Where are you, Max? Angel thought sadly, as the white coat approached. The front of Angel's dog crate opened, and a guy knelt down and peered in at her. She pressed herself against the back as hard as she could. He reached in to grab her hand, where the shunt was, and noticed her face. He turned back to his fellow white coats. What happened to it? It bit Riley earlier, someone said. He hit it. Angel tried to pull herself into a tight little ball. The whole left side of her face throbbed, but she was glad she'd bitten him. She hated him. Hated all of them. Stupid Riley. Guy should work in a car wash. If he wrecks this specimen, I'll kill him. Doesn't he realize how unique this subject is? The white coat said angrily. I mean, this is subject 11. Does he know how long we've been looking for it? You tell Riley not to damage the merchandise. He reached in and tried to take Angel's hand again. Angel didn't know what she should do. The plastic shunt on the back of her hand hurt, and she'd cradled it against her chest. All day, she'd had nothing to eat or drink, and then they'd made her drink some horrible, sickly sweet orange stuff. They'd taken blood from her arm, but she'd fought them and bit that one guy. So they'd put a shunt on the back of her hand to make taking blood easier. They'd drawn her blood three times already. Angel felt near tears, but clenched her jaw. Slowly, she uncoiled herself a tiny bit, an inch closer to the opening. She stretched her hand toward the lab guy. That's it, he said soothingly, and pulled out a needle with a test tube attached. He unclipped the stop on the shunt and pushed the needle in. This won't hurt. Honest. Angel turned away, keeping her back to him. That one hand stretched away from her. It didn't take long, and it didn't hurt. Maybe he was a good white coat, like Jeb. <sighs> and maybe the moon was made out of cream cheese. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Maximum Crime, a Maximum Variety audiobook bootleg podcast thing. I am your all of it, Marky, and I don't have anything to report about again this time. Maybe one day I'll have something. Can always hope. Um, so if you want to check out any of the other stuff that I do for Maximum Ride, go to Maximum Crime Pod with a little hyphen between each one of those words. I don't think I've said that yet, but uh, the hyphen is there. It's maximum-crime-pod.tumblr.com And you can find all of the Maximum Ride-related stuff that I'm doing there. That's everything I've got to say today, so until next time, fly on. <laughs>